The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, hot queens? Did you bring the baby gherkins? <laughs> This is when I really felt like maybe we shouldn't do this podcast. Astronomical. I hate to see it. Wasted potential. Are you drunk? <laughs> I am so drunk right now. Welcome to Bad Author Book Club, where we're not like other authors, we're worse. I'm Ryan Lasala. And I'm Clarabel A. Ortega, and we're two authors reading the most bizarre fiction we can find. Before we get started on today's episode, just want to remind you all to please leave us reviews on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast. Reviews help other listeners find us, and um, you can also follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Bad Author Pod, on Instagram at Bad Author Book Club. Our website is badauthorbookclub.wordpress.com, and you can find links to all the other places where our podcast lives on anchor.fm slash badauthorbookclub. Today's episode is Chapter 45 of Model Land by Tyra Banks, La Camara Bruta. Hey guys, welcome back to our read of Model Land by Tyra Banks, and if we sound weary, it's just because we are. We are so close to the end of this book, and suddenly pieces are flying together and you know what like to be honest they're not the puzzle pieces that i thought they would be here at the end of model land and so we're going to do our best to kind of give you a rundown of what happens this chapter is a little confusing in the way that it's written but i have the fullest faith that we're going to make it make sense or at least that it's going to be very funny yeah i mean that's all we can promise that it'll be funny (laughs) that's at minimum and at maximum yeah you guys will enjoy yes like let's talk about it (laughs) all right where did we leave off so we left off where creamy gets impaled yeah and she's like tookie bring me my bellissima right and that's like those are her like final words we basically open with the ganero running in um he has like guards with him six bestostero guards which did we know that they were the guards at at as well as the construction workers. I don't remember. The guards have really only shown up in the very final portion of this book. Like, suddenly there are guards doing stuff, but the guards were never around when it really mattered. I think as far back as, like, Desperata's escape, there maybe was a mention of guards but was here it, and there. But, but was it, it mentioned that they were specifically Bestostero 
guard. No, I don't. I don't think so. And I also mm. think that that's not that interesting. It would have been cooler if they were like large mannequins, like you know, failed testosterone models get turned. That into, would have like, been really cool. The yeah, manpower that could have been kind of cool. But I don't know. I think this is new, but it's really hard to remember. This whole time when, like, Creamy's getting stabbed by my favorite part of this book, The Spike, (laughs) uh, and all of this, like, drama is happening in the last chapter, everyone's waiting for the Seven tournament to begin. So, Gennaro walks in, he's like, hello, like, everyone's getting restless, the acrobats have walked off. What is (laughs) with this world and fucking acrobats? Like, obsession, obsession. There are so many acrobats. Like, second to being a Bella, like, your best bet for, like, a lifelong career is acrobatics. Yeah. Like, the the careers at Model Land go like this. Like, you can be the Belladonna if you're part of royalty. You can be uh, a Seven or, um, you know, Intoxabella, whatever. Then you can be an acrobat. Then you can be a factory worker. And then the worst thing you can be is an actor. So yeah. that, <laughs> that's like the order. Put together like a like a like a social pyramid of Metopia with those echelons. That's we can it. Add, that's it. Those are the only careers. And the other line that I really love from the segment where he's like, everyone's like so restless in their seat. He goes, and we had to put all of the jungle cats back in their cages because they were getting too restless. What jungle cats? Like, why are there jungle cats? Why are they roaming around? Like, what's happening? And why does Tyra think that, like, the way to indicate to us that the crowd is restless is by bringing up jungle cats? Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. Um, So he's he walks in and he's complaining, and it takes him a second to register, like, hey, there's blood literally everywhere. He immediately, immediately blames the Belladonna. Um, yeah. She's like, it was an accident. Which, it was an accident, okay? I'm sorry, but if you reread the last chapter, Creamy lunges at her. So it is Creamy, not to victim blame, but Creamy (laughs) incited the violence here, and she literally pushed herself onto the Belladonna. Wow, isn't that just so? I mean, look, there's a power differential between these two people. One of them's literally the Queen of Earth. And the other is just uh, like a, she works at like a beauty counter, and that that's just really disgusting of you, Clarabelle, to blame the victim. And such Excuse a, such me. A dynamic. I mean, there's such a difference in power. How could you say that? Creamy literally controls monsters. She has sent children to her death. I don't know if what you're saying really is 100 accurate. Like you're taking someone's really terrible circumstances and blaming them for the hard choices that they have to make to survive them. And I, I just am. Really think that. I'm a foe of anyone poor. Stop being oh, yeah. poor. Famous, famously hates the poor. Famous. Um, one thing that I wanted to hand out, or one, one thing that I wanted to point out is that when Gennaro walks in, he goes, what in the knockoff handbag hell have you done? Incredible, I, incredible line. The really, uh, really incredible line. So Persimmon decides to be like, a shysty bitch in this yeah. section and is like, um, it wasn't an accident, actually. Yeah. Right. Um, and then the Belladonna's like, you know that's not true. Um, her expression is full of horror and betrayal, which, yeah. you know, we're being told it wasn't actually true. Like, she didn't really try to do it. Um, but Persimmon uh, has a, like, her face flashes between loyalty and and hatred and and then it settles on resentment and she gives her a look like you deserve it 
And yeah. I thought it was really interesting, like, how how everybody in this book, absolutely everybody in this book, blames one another. Like, the three flashback girls, like, uh, Creamy, Persimmon, and the Belladonna. And, like, the Queen Belladonna gets absolutely no blame for any of this. And, like, she's the one who created this problem. She created the problem. Like, the problem does not exist without her, right? Yeah. Like, she's the one who made Persimmon lose everything for no reason. Something that wasn't her fault. Um, she's the one who... Like, Creamy was a bitch. And she was horrible. But, like, the only reason why, you know, CL is taken from um, the Belladonna and all of this stuff happens is because of her mother. And yet, Persimmon... And the Belladonna still super fucking hate each other. And I would right. think that over the years of working together, some of that friendship would have sort of like resurfaced and realized like in that moment it was really hard and we were young so we blamed each other. But we've learned to work together and to sort of realize that neither of us were, were to blame. I would have right. loved for something like that to happen, for them to be supportive. But every single character in this book, their personality is just bitch. Like, yeah, like that's it. It is that mentality of caricature. And it's also, mm. like, not that realism is at all the point of this book, but, like, there are such leaps and bounds when it comes to what realistically would have developed between these relationships in, like, mm. 15 years of elapsed time that, like, it is kind of frustrating. For instance, now the Belladonna and Persimmon are sort of, like, hashing out their, you know, uh, their kind of toxic relationship. And the Belladonna's like, no, like, don't betray me. But she's been, like, at this point, Persimmon, if she didn't have, like, credible reason to be mad at her friend initially for getting turned into a mannequin, like, she's now been in the employment of the Belladonna for 15 years and has been basically abused at the hand of this person's authority. So, like, the Belladonna really has zero, like, reason to say, like, you owe me this, like, there's loyalty. Like, I don't understand why Persimmon wouldn't betray her immediately right like there's and therefore and we said we've said this time and time again like tension comes from having to choose between two really good things or two really bad things but there's only one real obvious choice for persimmon in this situation and it's like fuck off like why would i why would i do this and i kind of wish that we got a little bit of like persimmon being like i knew that your mother did something horrible to all of us but i thought that we could repair our relationship and you've had 15 years to make it up to me but the second i became a mannequin that's all I ever, like, became to you. Like, our friendship yes. down the drain, my potential down the drain. Like, you never saw past, like, this punishment. And, because you, you probably never thought that I'd have any opportunity to, like, hold anything over you. And that's on you, right? Like, that would have been a really cool thing to see her say. And, uh, yeah, no, we, we don't we don't really get that. Also, like, what ensues is basically this, like, argument, right, between... The two of them being like, no, like, it was an accident. And then pursuing being like, no, she murdered her in this whole thing. And, oh, they turn to Tookie and they're like, Tookie, like, what it ha- well, like what happened? As if, like, Tookie is going to, like, sort of be, like, the tiebreaker in this debate. As if this entire scene isn't in the one location in the entire book that can't solve the question of what just happened in the recent past via flashback. They're standing right. inside of a flashback projector and they're wondering and squabbling about what just happened. It is the so worst true. possible place to set this kind of debate because it's the only place in any book I've ever read that could outright solve this in a matter of seconds. Yep. 
Yeah. What the fuck? And, what the actual and they, fuck? And nobody thinks about that. No, it's not even. No. A, it's not even a thought in anybody's mind at all. And then, Tookie also does something kind of fucking shitty, in my opinion, because it's like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. You hurt my mom, and it's like, okay, she hurt your mom. But she didn't purposely kill her. Like, you can still say what actually happened. Right. Um, right. Tookie decides she to punish her, too. Right. And she, and, and Tookie doesn't... Like, fine. If she if she, she, if she wants to de- defend her mom somet- somehow, this is not like her mom is going to get in trouble if the Belladonna <laughs> does it, right? <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah. so if you want to show some loyalty to her mom... Like, maybe she could just even say, I don't really, I, I couldn't really see what happened. I don't know. But you did hurt my mom. I'm sorry. That's all I saw, right? And so uh-huh. she's like, nope, I can't help you. You hurt my mom real bad, so I am not going to help you at all. And I'm like, what a fucking asshole. Like, You're so okay. right. Yeah. <laughs> if, like, if, they, if the Belladonna had also gotten hurt and they were like, it's treason to hurt your queen or something like that, like that's punishable by execution. Like then Tookie could be like, sorry, like I've got to choose my mom in this scenario. But her mom is like bleeding out on the floor. Like nothing bad is going to happen to her that already hasn't happened to her. So not, not just that, but the Belladonna is like, that's like if somebody breaks into the white house, the, the attacks, the president, the president uh-huh. defends himself against this person. And then it's like, what have you done? President? <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. literally, yeah. Everyone descends on the Belladonna. Like suddenly she loses all authority in this moment. Like she has right. nothing. As if like she hasn't probably killed a lot of people, right? Like we're supposed to be this lady is so spooky and Tookie thought she's like torturing people, but it turns out she like stabs one person by accident and suddenly like not even royalty can save her. Which is which sort of you're you're right. Oh my god, it totally counterfeits like her authority. <laughs> it makes so no stupid. fucking sense. Ganero's like, you can't get out of this one, Belladonna, and basically makes this like makes it clear that like he does not like the Belladonna and that he's gonna use this as like an opportunity to like usurp her. So uh and he <laughs> Let's out a he giggled nastily. What is your okay, what does that mean? Giggled nastily? What's your best nasty giggle? Mm. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we sound like perverts. <laughs> well, that that good, because I think that's the that's my <laughs> point. So, okay, after the nasty little giggle, uh which <laughs> could would be a good chapter title, uh he uh, Gennaro appears on the stage in the stadium. And finally, three hours, 37 minutes, and 28 seconds after everyone had gathered in the stadium, Nars appears for, like, an announcement. Nars! And Nars! <laughs> and he first, like, gets the board together uh, to, like, tell them something. And we don't know what it is yet. Because we're now watching from the audience's perspective. We that We've transcended Tookie at this moment. And then he he takes he takes the microphone and he goes, while you were all sitting in your seats like unwanted hemp sewn eco fashion on a biodegradable shelf, <laughs> something tragic has happened. Which I know these lines are so stupid, but like the charm of this book is that I do love like Tyra's funny digs at like the actual like things in the fashion industry, like when like the knockoff handbag hell line, this line like. They're so cheesy, but they're funny to me. So I like that he called the audience hemp-sewn eco-fashion that no one wants. 
he announces that the seven tournament is postponed indefinitely, as is T Dodd. So everyone starts screaming, you know, and literally they all scream. Yeah. Yeah. Um, chaos ensues. We we go back to a Greek chorus. Bellissima's um, point of view. <laughs> And we find out that basically, like, everyone is setting things on fire and, like, attacking one another with perfume bottles. Um, oh, because the God. only thing anybody has to look forward to or to, to you know, live for has been taken away. And, like, yeah. this is such a badly done, like, allusion to Hunger Games and what the Hunger Games mean to people in the capital and how... Uh, important they are to the districts um, for one reason or, or the other suddenly T-Dodd and like the seven tournament are like the only thing anybody has to look forward to but like w- the way that I and maybe I'm misinterpreting things because like you know there's a lot to get through but the way that I sort of read this world is there are people who have like careers and jobs and like you know like creamy works at like a makeup counter like there's a middle class in this world right like people Mm -hmm. have like houses and they go to school and they have aspirations and like how how is it possible that the only thing they care about is this really arbitrary thing that only seven people benefit from every year like your your paraphrasing is doing this such a like such a blessing because the chaos that Tyra describes, <laughs> like, is is actually just to give like our listeners perspective. Like, when Claremont's questioning, like, like how could this possibly happen? It's because it is two pages of italicized text describing yeah. in vivid detail the kind of shit that happens. Just to give you like a quick run up, because you were making a very good point, and I want to make I want to make sure people understand like why it's a great point. Yeah. So like, just to give you some quick examples of what happens. Um, fashion designers all fall into depressions. <laughs> people <laughs> immediately. Some fashion designers abandon their showrooms. Others throw themselves off of buildings and land in front of tourists and children. <laughs> there are this is a-, a great depression. <laughs> yeah, like the, the, all the factories shut down in Metopia because there's. No longer any trends, because the Intoxibellas are the ones that set the trends, so there's, like, no trends anymore, so the factory workers, this is actually horrible, they spill out into the streets and start looting stores, breaking glass, stealing purses, shoes, dresses, and suits, um, they revel in the, like, basically the poor people go crazy, like, they, yeah, they poor, are, like, look at the pores, just look at running the pores, around like, and looting if you, CBS. If we don't enslave, yeah, if we don't enslave the working class, then they will loot us, is sort of, like, what happens in Metopia, and, um, but it wasn't just them, it was also hoodlands in Nordesui, Cappuccino, and Oktoberfest to face the Intoxabella billboards, there's graffiti, um, the where the hell is CL graffiti is tagged over with who the hell cares there's riots um people in the the malls are especially bad people tear at one another's clothes they gouge out eyeballs they are drowning each other in fountains like, like throwing perfume bottles at one another the, oh yeah the perfume bottle i really i really love that they rob the perfume store so they can throw perfume bottles at one another like as incredible if, like missiles <laughs> wait and then did you catch the line where 
It's all of this, like, mass hysteria, and then just the sentence, a single glossy photo of CL slowly disintegrated to ash. <laughs> Which, like, what Tyra means is, like, she's sort of, like, directing the cameraman. As if yes. it's, like, is a shot-for-shot, like, movie, right? So she's, mm. she's saying, like, I'm showing you all this chaos, and then symbolically a, a photo is burning. That's, like, that's what you would <laughs> right. say on a TV show to show that, like, CL's legacy has been burned. But, like, there's not just a single photo of CL in the world that is burning, Right? It's sort of the equivalent of someone being like, mass chaos ensued. Suddenly a newspaper spun at the camera and it said, mass chaos ensued. A hundred percent that. It's right. Th- like, that, it's so, it's, so, you're so right. So anyways, I just had to, I just had to quickly run through all of that because you're right. Like it's described as, it's the most important thing in the world to all these people, thus, like, the pure anarchy that breaks out. But it, like, I don't know. You're right. Like, we haven't seen the Intoxibellas, like, actually wield that much power. We've just seen people sort of, like, prattle about fashion and things like that, too. And clearly, like, the right. industries are sort of set up around it. But, like, it doesn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense. Right. And why would there be no fashion trends? What about all the other Intoxibellas? Like, there was literally a class last year. Like, wouldn't they continue to create trends? Like, how does that intersect? Don't tell me there's another fucking term limits for them now. Every year, it's just, like, you retire because, like, it made it seem like you would be famous for life, right? Like, you're set for life. You continue to be a model. You continue to set trends. So why can't everybody just, like, turn to the last um, class of Intoxibellas or whatever? Like, maybe they or promise, like, Maybe, like, your first year as a triple seven or whatever it is, um, you have to work so hard and you, like, super look forward to the time the new girls are named so that you can have, like, a break because it's, like, back-breaking and, like, the last year's um, graduating class gets really upset and they go on strike and then suddenly Mm -hmm. that's when, you know, people start getting upset because where are... You know, our trends. It's still stupid, but it would have been better than this. Right. Know? They could have recalled all the existing Bellas to model land for, like, an emergency summit. Like, they could have, like, basically withdrawn them from society. And I could right. see how that would have been, like, totally destabilizing to the fashion industry. But, yeah, the only thing that these people are going to have to go without is the new sevens, like, the next seven sevens or whatever, and the Day of Discovery, which, admittedly, quite a lot of fanfare exists around, but it's sort of, like, you know, 4th of July's canceled this year, guys. Like, it's kind of, like, that's how it it feels a little bit silly. But, hey, question. So, imagine for a second, this is, like, a revision idea that I had. Imagine for Mm -hmm. a second that we actually do get a really robust world build where everything does come down to like day discovery like the seasons that are dictated by like the belladonna fashion is everything and imagine instead that this book starts like with a girl named tookie who's like ready to infiltrate model land or something like that um and like she gets through the day of discovery right like we sort of have a similar beginning uh but then like shortly after she's selected model land like closes forever and like all this chaos breaks loose like I feel like that's a really interesting place to start a book like right as this like disaster spills out or it could even be like that's sort of the beginning of the book and then Tookie makes it her goal to like get into model land to like rescue her sister or something who was like chosen the year before right like that would have been cool like a collapsing society uh, would have been a great backdrop for 
a book like this because it would have been a good opportunity to show like all the ways that like fashion controls this world um yeah but here we are at the very end of the book literally the very end of the book and we don't have a really good sense of why fashion and like why model end is actually important to anybody in the, the larger world and so um it doesn't doesn't really ring true but this would have been a fun thing to sort of like st- i mean this is sort of what i assume book two would have been about like the collapse of society which i guess is kind of cool too it makes me but it makes me want to read book two instead of book one yeah i feel like you're giving tyra too much credit maybe probably <laughs> I, yeah. I just it makes me think of any if anyone out there has read the fifth season trilogy the reason that trilogy is so tense is because the very first thing to happen on like page one so this isn't a spoiler but someone triggers an apocalypse and the entire mm-hmm. trilogy sort of takes place jumping through time but like the main storyline takes place as the world is ending and it is such a fascinating and interesting choice and this is kind of what made me think of it because this is supposed to be like cataclysmic like what's happening yeah. uh, and it, it sort of bugs me that we don't get to actually see any of that cataclysm it's just mentioned it's all off page and therefore insignificant to any of the main characters who again are all like protected in model land yeah unfortunately it's just not really done well like pretty much everything else why are we expecting different things at this point it's I'm just, almost I'm just, over you know, I'm just spitballing with some ideas some cool <laughs> things that that we yeah. could have done people are still learning yeah. valuable lessons <laughs> you are correct um and we that would have been infinitely cooler yeah and we don't know that the second book is written yet i think that tyra's gonna come back to this project at some point and i think she's gonna she's gonna listen to the whole podcast that would be incredible tyra call us we will consult on the book okay immediately Um, immediately we know the book we are model and historians yeah at this point um so yeah just call us up we leave the greek chorus basically the last line of it is that guru ganero's announcement had cut off the world's oxygen supply and they were desperately gulping for air um so whatever we see persimmon (laughs) is leading tookie through the hall into a room with the words camera bruta etched onto it it's like an artery like dungeon it's described as like kind of bloody and red um we find out that it's the ugly room um and my note says that's where i was born i love the ugly room as like a concept the the second that cl showed up and i don't remember remember, she showed up at like the debate class in her like too small jumper that said ugly room on the back of it i was like now that's the look i want that look you can have it I think, <laughs> if you really want it um so the, the the point of this room is that the mirrors are supposed to reflect like the most horrible version of whoever like messed up right so mm-hmm. if like you're in that pressure. room and you made a mistake the mirror is going to reflect like your ugly reflection basically um right to protect tookie from mm. this fate persimmon sprays her with anti-repugnancy spritz incredible <laughs> which which halts the mirror's ability to reflect her ugly side um cl also appears where was she we don't know um i'm surprised that the unicas are not here to be quite honest yes when cl appears again persimmon is being a biatch and she whispers that it's basically all CL's fault that she couldn't be a triple seven and that the day that CL took her first breath breath was the day Persimmon's life ended. I'm like, 
is not CL's fault. Once again, she was famously a baby and oh, yeah. so you would did not ask agree. to be born. No, not her fault. Tookie does say that to her. She does say it's yeah. not your fault. Um, or Persimmons, you are both victims, which thank is, goodness. Thank God someone said it. Yes, Tookie, very insightful. I wish she unpacked it a little bit more, but um, at least she said something. At least, exactly, exactly. And CL was like, I don't yeah. know. She's like absolutely drained. And then an ominous voice booms, the gates will rise and you two can see your mothers now. And there's like this huge gate that rises up. They like walk down a long dark red corridor. Uh, and what surprised me is that Tookie mentioned sort of in her like inner monologue that she's been here before. She recognizes it as the place that she saw CL whipping herself all that time ago, which she sleptwalked into. So now I'm like, there's literally a I am like, so confused about this because... The way that I picture it in my mind was she was outside when that happened. And she, like, rounded a corner and saw CL in a room. But if you're seeing somebody suddenly in a room, that means that that door has to be open. It has to be easily accessed. Like A window, how did How did she... So she walked past the guards. She walked (laughs) into the gate. Just a complete and utter fucking, like... How did she get there? How? It's, she's incredible. Really, really... She's, like, the basically, like, the Alex Mack of model. And she turned into Capri Sun. Capri slid Sun. under all those doors. And, I and, wish that had been a mechanism of this book. It would have made it uh, 78% more readable. <laughs> um, more readable. <laughs> <laughs> they, they go into the ugly room and they find <clears throat> the Belladonna... In uh, a ugly room jumpsuit, my favorite, and she's facing a wall of mirrors which reflect not a lovely woman that they had just seen in the flesh for the first time, like presumably like an hour ago. I wish we understood like how long time, like how much time had passed, mm-hmm. uh, but they just say that like they sort of go right at the ugly room, and so it sort of feels like it's only been like a few hours, uh, but they say that basically she's not who they just saw. She, in the mirrors, has entrails for hair and a twisted tree root for a nose and millipedes for eyelashes. And her eyes are basically held open by, like, a like metal contraption, metal clamps that force her to look at her gross reflection. And she's like, no, no, like, ah, gross, disgusting. Like, <laughs> which my impression um, of this was like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to also say she has scaly skin as well. That was another part of the description. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, okay. You know how you always say, like, if you, like, if you yourself don't have the range, it's going to be really hard to kind of give, like, a a thing to a character or something, right? Like, I think that this is a dimension of that where, like, okay, so what? She had to look at, like, a gross reflection of herself, but, like, how long could that possibly cause a person acute pain and terror i thought it would have been really cool if we actually don't get to see what like the belladonna is seeing that like the mirrors just sort of show her but she appears to be in like horrible pain from like whatever is showing her and that would have left it like mysterious and a little bit like eerie and it would have also been good incentive for like tookie i would have gotten the spritz out of there and just said like tookie like tried not to look in the mirror but when she did she started to see her like flesh rotting or something like that just to keep it a little bit more like eerie but instead we have like she honestly, the, the Belladonna in the description sounds like one of the gurus, right? Like, the yeah, gurus were just disgusting. Yeah, I think she sounds disgusting. like a cool monster, to be quite honest with you. And, like, I was going to say, I, I completely agree with that description. Like, 
um, with that interpretation. And I think it would have been way, 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 way cooler if they had done that than yeah. this. Because it's like, okay, so you look like one of the Ariel monsters. It's it's okay. You like, it's, not, <laughs> yes. it's okay, but it's consistently the times where I find myself enchanted is whenever there's a monster like once again I love millipedes for eyelashes like that's great yeah yes I really love it and I feel like her monster descriptions are like the best and most interesting parts of the book for me um so I guess in that way I'm glad that we got it but like your direction uh, would have been way more creepy um and I think would have sort of conveyed the horrors of the ugly room in a much more like succinct way right like you kind of give it away when you're like here's how spooky it was like look at the spooky thing but if someone doesn't if a reader doesn't have that spooky thing in mind or if it's something that like scares them then it sort of falls flat so you can kind of you know yeah. it's, it's writing you're in the mind of somebody else you can just tell them to think of the most scary thing that they can think of right at that have them generate the fear themselves rather than being mm-hmm. like, like it'd be sort of like being like she looked in the mirror and she saw a Furby, but, like, we're not scared of Furbies, but the Belladonna right. is. I don't know. Actually, that right. would be kind of fun, but anyways, she, she's, she's struggling. She's having a really hard time, and ooh, Tookie gasps, and, which is, like, her only line of dialogue in reaction to any of this, and then we turn, and next to the Belladonna, also in an ugly room jumpsuit, laying on a cot, is Creamy. This doesn't make any sense to me. Why isn't she in the hospital? She just got impaled. Like, why is she in the ugly room? Like, I understand. Like, just handcuff her and bring her to the hospital, right? Yeah, Um, right. She's got, like, she's on life support in the ugly room. And literally, like, she doesn't look much different in the mirror also, which is like, "Mm, she's ugly enough. And it's like, okay, so, like, again, wrinkles is enough Mm -hmm. to, like, horrify somebody. Yeah. This part made me laugh so much. Tell me why. So CL pulls out a chair for Tookie. So oh like, yes. Tookie's Sorry, like, God. "Is my mom? Is my mom gonna die?" Right. <laughs> yes. And CL pulls out a chair to sit and read a medical chart at the foot of Creamy's cot. <laughs> She pulls the medical chart from Creamy's I'm cot. Sorry, like, this, like she's on Grey's Anatomy. Like, this is this is camp. This is it. Read you the Met Gala camp theme. Oh my god, she's this looking, is it. She's looking camp right in the eye. Right in the eye. I that medical chart, it's a little compact, okay? Yeah. This is fucking camp. I, I could see this, this as a, in a movie, and I would die laughing. Yes, so yes. good, so and funny. She has like a stethoscope on suddenly, and she's like, she like takes it off and is like, it doesn't look good. <laughs> like why? Yeah. <laughs> so she goes on to say, "There's like no vital organs were hit, uh-huh. but that but she's lost a lot of blood. It looks like it's touch and go." She said. <laughs> and mom. then, reinforcing my theory that it is ridiculous to have an intruder into model land attack the leader and have the leader get in trouble it says that if she does survive if creamy does survive she'll probably stay in the ugly room for a really long time possibly a life sentence because she was banned from model land for life yeah (laughs) again why is the belladonna in trouble right (laughs) <laughs> and how come, yeah, and how come if 
if like didn't yeah we like absolved creamy a moment ago right of the of the crime but like now she's sort of back in in trouble i love the idea that the ugly room is also a jail is also a hospital like is also a hospital. it's all the things like, it's even really... though we have a ho- we famously have seen the hospital yeah. with the roller skate feet doctors like dr what erica is right like what's happening There's zero reason for these things to be in the same place but oh my god and okay so <laughs> tookie this kind of gives tookie time to like sit and look at her mom uh i should mention that um Bellissima, she notes, someone had kindly wiped the dirt from the doll's face, which should have been Tookie. Should have been Tookie sort of doing that, like, act of care for her mother. That would have been a really sweet moment. Yeah, um, no. They didn't even let her do that. They didn't even let her do that. And she's like, oh, how could my mom betray me so much? Like, how is it possible that she could betray all these people? She was in model land. Like, she didn't say anything about any of this. But, you know, then again, would I have wanted to know about any of it? Like, question mark, question mark. And then she touches her mom's foot, and it's it's ice cold. And she she goes, c- c- "Creamy, I." She's stuttering. I love you. Uh, all I've ever wanted is for you to love me back. And Creamy yeah. doesn't answer because she's like, basically, on a ventilator. Uh, and all Tookie heard was the sucking sounds of her mother's blood and tubes. Tookie glances at CL, and then CL starts her like monologue. <laughs> <laughs> starts God, with I was this, raised in poverty. <laughs> this was this was nuts. Oh my gosh, get ready. So yeah, she starts her monologue and then at the same time Tookie starts talking. Well, Tookie has been talking to Creamy. So the two people mm. the way the scene is constructed, Creamy, no, sorry, Tookie and CL are talking to their respective mothers at the same time and the dialogue is cut into itself. Like it's inter Yeah. It's, like, braided together. The way that it makes it seem is, like, they're taking turns, actually, because the Belladonna doesn't respond to CL, and then it says Tookie talks again, and she continues after that. So it's, like, they're literally on stage taking turns to let each other talk to one another's mom. It is so weird. So there's a lot of questions here Uh that we want to know that Tookie's finally asking yes so one of the things that um i actually am working through right now in a much more sort of like complicated way in one of my books one of the notes that i got is if like a moment or like a plan would work just as well in the second or third chapter as it does in like the 45th chapter then it might be a sign that it's not actually working there, right? So, yeah. like, why? what is keeping a character from asking a question, from enacting a plan, from, from taking a path that makes sense Yeah. in the beginning rather than right now? And I think yeah. this is definitely an example of that because all of these things are things that, even if Tookie didn't really express it to her mom, she could yeah. have had more of a focus on and asked in the beginning of the book and tried to figure out, like... She asked, when I was a baby, what happened after that to make you hate me? Because we saw a vision of, like, creamy, loving Tookie at one point. Yeah. So what changed, right? Um, CL also asks, this makes a little bit more sense because obviously CL just found everything out and she didn't really have time. Right. She asks if the Belladonna ever wanted her back after she got her youth back. And we go like that back and forth, like, 
Chucky wants to know like why she never thought she was special like what was wrong with her basically yeah it's just so many things that like we've wondered like what yeah. is the hate that creamy has towards Tookie and I wish that it would have been explored a lot sooner than now <laughs> you're right about the fact that yeah a lot of these things are questions that have been sort of lingering for a long time and we you know there should be some payoff like we should know some of these things right. it'd be really nice right. to know some of these things and the person that we want the payoff from is creamy who's in a coma so we're not gonna get it from her unless she like wakes up and I was like oh god are they gonna do the thing where like Someone wakes up, someone's roused from a coma, like, because of someone's emotional plea, which, personally, I don't like at all, but mm. that's sort of the tone of the, where this is going, uh, and we'll, we'll have to see if it gets there, but one thing I wanted to also mention is that in CL's, like, own, like, line of questions or her, her own, like, painful monologue, she, she's like... She wipes the tears from her cheeks. She stares at the Belladonna. She goes, when I went off message, uh, when I did what I did, like, why did you bring me back here? Like, basically, like, how could you punish me? And it's reminding me that, like, I thought that there was a lot more to, like, CL's crime than going off message. That turns out to be, like, the only thing. And that's such a bland reason for, like, life sentence torture. Off message? We don't even know what the actual message, like... Right, that's corporate speak. Like, literally, like, it's like something someone says to you in a meeting on Monday morning. Like, it's so shallow and, like, bland, and I just really hate it. And it might have more meaning to Tyra in the model world. It does, But because she doesn't explain that to us, we just see it as this, like, nothing thing. Right, like, it's clearly, like, obviously, if you're a brand representative, like, like it, right, if you're for, if you're representing a brand like Tyra does, right, if you're a model, if it's your career, going off message, like, that can be absolutely disastrous. So I'm sure this makes sense to Tyra as, like, a life or death choice to make from a career perspective. But Tyra, this is a book for teenagers. What teenager is like, oh, no, I've, I've got to make a choice between being me or, you know, staying on message? Like... Or, you know, if you're thinking, listening to me complain about this, like, oh, well, you know, there's a lot of instances where, like, a teen has a certain version of themselves they need to, like, put out there. Like, that would have been the way to connect it, right? Like, there would have been a really awesome way to, like, link those things together in a way that's accessible for the audience of this book. But, like, you know, Clairville and I are people that have public personas that have an on-message version of ourselves, and we're still not feeling why this would be at all disastrous to, at like, all. you know, or worth, or worth, like, punishing her publicly for a year. It does, it's, like, yeah. so silly. <laughs> and it doesn't I, read... I, at all. Like, it doesn't, all. It's, not, it's not impactful. And, like, something as simple as changing the phrasing of off-message to, like, the reputation of our family would have... When I betrayed Modeland, that would have been fine. Yeah. But for a long time, I've sort of questioned why modeling itself is not a bigger part of a book called Modeland. Because when you think about (laughs) the mechanisms of what they're talking about, what the sevens do, this is marketing land. It's not. (laughs) It's about selling products. It's about creating trends it's about staying on brand like we saw maybe like two or three mes- um mentions of like walking down the runway we barely got any runway moments like yeah in a book called modeling are you kidding me had tyra been able to combine 
the sort of like ridiculous challenges of America's Next Top Model yeah. with the pressures and like the insidious underbelly of modeling. I think that was the point of the book, but it just like missed <laughs> the mark so much. And it literally is marketing, marketing, <laughs> marketing, land. marketing land. That is so funny. <laughs> so, so I a hundred percent agree. And the reason we're harping on this is because this is like, this is really important. So the Belladonna finally responds. Like, this is the thing that gets the Belladonna to respond. It's like, see, I'm talking about, like, was I so off message that you needed to hate me? And the Belladonna's like, no, I never hated you. Listen to me, child. I'll only say this once. Like, Gennaro, Guru Gennaro Nars, right? Like, he was going to kill you for what you did. Kill you. Like, that's the treason. That's the level of treason that you committed by going off message and uh, building Crazy. obelisks. And I saved you. I was disgusted by your actions. We all were. I was embarrassed. But Nars wanted to kill you. And I said, no, not my child. Uh, and I remember, you know, then she goes into, like, sort of the, the, the fond, like, flashback of, like, I never... Basically, the, the thesis of this is, like, I never stopped loving you like I had to hurt you out of love right because I was I was saving you basically by making an example out of you so that Nars didn't actually kill you which would have been well within the laws of model land because you went off message which we should have we should well first of all we should have seen someone get killed for doing this to like really hammer home like how bad it can be and it should have been like broadcasted live on television this needs to be yeah. a countrywide understanding of like how this works or how horrible like the consequences are for going off message this again makes me think of like the hunger games where this is done really well because because mm-hmm. katniss has messaging that she's like given and when she goes off message there's literal like revolutions that like spiral out of control because of it right like that's what the hunger games is about it's about like the optics of war anyhow none of that's here and we instead get this like impassioned monologue for the belladonna about how like it's a, also it's very confusing. I'm I'm streamlining this for you, uh, not for you, Clarabelle, but for those that don't have to like read Thank through you. this. Thank yeah. <laughs> you. And and eventually she she's like, oh well, CL's like you didn't have to do what you did. Like you could have raised me if you had decided to give up your beauty. Like we could have avoided all of this. And and then the Belladonna's like, you know how difficult my position was, but like what you don't know is that like. I've saved you from harm. You're my whole world. And then she tells us how CL got her name. Oh, God. (laughs) Which I did not know we were going to get the answer to this. So I was excited about this. But the answer is going to frustrate everyone. Um, um, One thing before we get to that. I appreciate the fact that CL pushed back against the Belladonna saying, like, you saw how they tricked me into, like, giving you up and, like, everything like that. First of all, like... It's on her. Like, totally. trickery aside, like, it is on her. Mm-hmm. On her mom, most of all, but, like, it's also on her. It's been 15 um, years of, of this. Right. Like, she's had 15 right. years to rectify the situation yeah. as the queen and, and, and hasn't taken it. Yeah, at all. And, like, she could have went back and, like, at least helped Creamy not be a wrinkly leather bag anymore, right? Like, she promised her that. Like, Creamy's right about that. Like, she didn't want to go. The Belladonna was like, I can't wait two days. So she put her in danger, right? So CL pushes back and she's like, you could have let go of your pride and your vanity and raised me, kept me as your own. Uh Um, And I appreciated that because she's 100% right. Like, 
I wish that this was more of a point where like <laughs> vanity is yeah. leading people to make these like awful decisions, but <laughs> the Valadotta goes, the lies, the trickery. I was confused. <laughs> the romper room fuckery. Yeah, the romper- you saw it. <laughs> you, yeah, you saw it. The romper room fuckery alone. I dare you to make the right choice among all that romper room fuckery. <laughs> Um, so then she, um, starts sobbing, the Belladonna, and she's like, um, when I had you. By the way, like, how, (laughs) she's doing, she's doing all this while she's, while her eyes are pinned open. Incredible. Just just to give you the visual. No blinks. No (laughs) No blinks. No blinks, not a single blink. (laughs) Um, so she says, when I had you, I looked into your gray eyes, and the first thing I said was, I see love. And CL... Every time I see you, even right now, I see love. That's how I named you. C-L. See love. Somebody <sighs> throw me off a mountain right now. <laughs> oh my god. Gosh. It is, you know what? It is very consistent. It feels very much like the Tookie mm. uh, button thing that happened it's reminiscent of that we should have expected this this is on us this This is is on on us this is on us yeah and if anything you know what it just it just lends some depth to the logic of tyra's world that things are kind of consistent in a weird way so yeah yeah, i mean yeah let's let's go so so this sort of breaks cl down when she finds this out they Mm -hmm. like have like a hug and embrace yes my baby yes my love from the belladonna Tears run down CL's cheeks. She, they, they have a, uh, an, um, wait, CL then collapsed her head onto her mother's lap and the Belladonna leaned forward, embracing her daughter. So now the Belladonna can move. I don't know. This woman's like got a this. lot. <laughs> yes. Eyes held open by those like prong things from the dentist, probably. Yeah. I also, and then like, like, looking so, down at her yes. Horrifying. Beautiful. Um, I also want to mention, if you're thinking, oh my god, wouldn't her eyes get dry? Tyra did specify that there's a saline mist being sprayed into the air. Yeah, just in case. She covered her bases. She covered her bases. So, oh, there's a lot of sobbing in the ugly room. After this, Gennaro Nars runs and he goes, get up, body girl, you're coming with us. And he grabs CL. And CL's like, no, don't take me. And Belladonna's like, hands off of my daughter. And Gunaro wrinkles his nose and goes, oh, now she's your daughter? Then he Oof. looked at Tookie with hatred. Body girl, you must pay for who you are and uh, what the hell you have become. Or Sorry, he says that to Ciel, not to Tookie. Yeah. And Tookie jumps um, to her feet and she's like, Ciel! <laughs> Nara says, shut up, crazy eyes. <laughs> I lulled. Um, and Tookie also has a moment like, oop, oh no, we just found out that this guy wants to kill CL, so danger, danger, red flag. Yeah. Um, so the guards drag CL out of the room, um, and Tookie takes one last look at her mother and then slips out of the ugly room, following close behind. And, and that's that the is the end of the chapter. Oh, man. Okay, so let me hear your rose and thorn for chapter 45 of Monoland. My rose is definitely the monster vision of the Belladonna. I can fix her. And <laughs> I just love all of... I just really love all of Tyra's monsters. I just really like them. I don't know. Yeah. I think they're interesting and fun and kooky. And I think they... I've said this before, but they're sort of like a representation of, like, the Monoland that, like, 
should have been, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things she got super right. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with that. My thorn, once again, I can pick several. <laughs> um, I'm going to say my thorn is the dueling monologues between CL and Tookie. Fair. That was, I mean, there's a lot of other things, like, because this is a chapter that's supposed to, like, tie things up in a way. We're supposed to get, like you said, some payoff. And all we get is, like, really more questions when it comes to the main character of the book, which is Tookie de la Creme. Yeah. Not CL. Like, CL gets a little bit more of, like, closure, which is great. I'm happy for CL. But CL's not the person we've spent 600 pages with, right? Yeah. Um, so it feels a little sort of like we switched main characters. This is very Dawson's Creek, where the show's really about Joey. Um, <laughs> and we quickly find that out um, later on. Uh, but, yeah, I... I, I didn't like the dueling monologues. I I feel like at a certain point, I don't think Tyra realized that she like wrote herself into a corner with Tookie not having enough interesting sort of like plot to unfold about her yeah. own life. Yeah. Um, and because she let go of the whole paternity thing and none of that matters anymore because she's at model and she has a new family and she has a new future to look forward to. So why does she care about any of these things? So she had to give us another character with a more interesting backstory yeah um yeah and yeah it 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 didn't go well (laughs) i think so starting with my thorn that's what i was gonna say too that toki Mm -hmm. as it turns out like is we long suspected that toki didn't have enough to do in this book because she doesn't do Mm -hmm. much right she's sort of an accessory to tyra's uh elaborate world building and now it's all coming into confirmation because all the resolutions we're getting have nothing to do with her and everything to do with a different character, right? Yeah. Like the entire plot of Model Land all along happens to be about like CL, what she was up to. And you know what I think? I think it's because Tyra thought this was going to be made into a movie and she thought she was going to play CL, which yeah, no wonder CL's like plot is so meaty and that she has so much screen time and that like she's never far from like the action right remember all those scenes where Toki would be in class and CL would be like show like she she'd show up as like you know like the class clown or like to be picked upon like she was always present and I think it's just like I think it literally is just Tyra thinking like this is gonna be my role that I'm writing for myself and I don't know if it's like narcissism or what but she could not stop herself from writing this book primarily about CL and Tookie's plot as a result is totally emaciated and you and I have held out hope that like we we're going to kind of get some resolution to like any of the things any of the threads that Tookie started and we're like zero we're batting zero for for like answers on like the Tookie side of things and suddenly yeah. CL is like at like a hundred <laughs> it's crazy it's really crazy yeah it is really wild I didn't see this coming in terms of like CL sort of like overtaking the book in yeah. a way it makes it more interesting because like it's a more, she's is more, a more interesting character, interesting yeah. character. Um, she's more at, at least she does stuff at least she's like she, she doesn't just stand there saying like uh the whole time right I like CL a lot more than I like Tookie right and as imperfect as like her the thing that she had to overcome was at least she had some sort of character arc like it wasn't done well but like we can see a clear change between like beginning CL and like now CL right now whereas right. Tookie feels largely 
exactly the same. I think they mentioned in this chapter that, like, for the first time, unless I'm confusing it with something, Tookie realizes she wasn't stuttering as she spoke to Creamy. She does, yeah, yeah. But Creamy's in a coma. <laughs> so, like, the only time you summon the sort of strength to not be afraid of your mom is because she can't actually talk back to you. She can't hear you. Um, how has she grown as a character? Right. She hasn't, you know? Right. Right. Um, she's know. said, like, maybe one or two things that made sense, but that does not a character arc make. So, no. yeah, no. it's disappointing. Yeah, big, big thorn. Uh, my rose, just in case anyone's wondering, is I thought the sailing was really funny. The mist of sailing. <laughs> That's my rose. The fact that Tyra, among all of these things, she has these gaping holes in the plot decided to plug the one thing that she thought was really going to nag on people, which was, is there saline being spritzed into the Belladonna's eyes as they're held open so she oh, can God. stare into the mirror? And you know what Tyra thought of? Not everything, but that. Absolutely that. Yeah. So, yeah. She thought of almost nothing. <laughs> she thought of saline. Nothing. Yeah. I would say that she got nothing right, but she did remember the saline, which is so funny to me. So Incredible. Bravo, Tyra girl. Yeah. If you want to follow us on social media, we're at Bad Author Pod on Twitter. Our Instagram is Bad Author Book Club. And our website is badauthorbookclub.wordpress.com. You can also find all our episodes and links to where our podcast lives on like Spotify and iTunes on anchor.fm slash badauthorbookclub. You can also throw us a little money on there too if you're feeling inspired. Please. If you want to follow me, Clarabelle, I'm at Clarabelle underscore Ortega on Insta, Twitter, and TikTok. And my, I was going to say my birthday. And my birthday (laughs) is, and my website is ClarabelleOrtega.com. Amazing. If you want to follow me, Ryan, on Insta, Twitter, or TikTok, it's the same handle everywhere. It's the Ryan LaSala. And my website is www.ryanlasala.com. That's got all of the links where you can find all of my books, including my upcoming YA horror novel, The Honeys, which is due out August 16th in English. Yes. More news about other languages later. But if you guys could pre-order that, if you haven't already, that would be wonderful so that we can keep... Spending all of our time making funny podcast episodes for you and we don't have to get jobs down at the at the factories. Yeah, we don't want to become factory dependents, guys. Please help us. Please. It's, <laughs> it's the only job we've got left. Yeah, it's either that or <laughs> actors. And I don't want to oh, go with, we don't I don't want to be actors. <laughs> Who does? I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in Bigger Than Ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, 
the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.